This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Everyone's a critic on BFM 89.9. Hello, you're listening to Everyone's a Critic with me, Sharmila Ganesan. For today's review, I'm joined by artist Blank Malaysia. Blank, always good to have you back on the show. Always good to be back. So today we are reviewing, um, well, usually we review, you know, a show or a, an exhibition, but today it's a little bit different. We're reviewing Gallery Garimis, uh, which is in GMBB, uh, which is a mall in KL, of course. And it's, um, I dare say, one of the few, if not the only uh, gallery dedicated to featuring, celebrating, highlighting uh, Orang Asli arts and culture um, and, and Orang Asli stories through an artistic lens. Um, so we thought it would be something worth talking about, um, not just to review what it currently does, but perhaps to also look at future directions. Because this really is, um, I think, a, a facet of what the Garimis Art Project does. Oh, definitely. Blank, I, I wanted to ask you... Um, at least for me, this is quite a new experience because thus far, um, my exposure to Orang Asli art or Orang Asli uh, culture, particularly in an exhibition space, has always been quite anthropological. So to mm-hmm. experience something that takes an arts and culture lens for me um, was interesting and, and very much appreciated. What did you think? Yeah, for me, um, the concept of um, the gallery itself was quite very, very new. I mean, especially in the landscape of the Malaysian art scene, right? Um, we were very used to, um, like you mentioned, talking about Orang Asli in a very uh, studious manner or, you know, you, you start like categorizing things into various, um, like uh, uh, anthropological um, studies and such. So when you explore it in a creative manner, it kind of like opens up like avenues and also bring down barriers of what we think Orang Asli and what their life and their cultural aspects are like. So for me, it's quite interesting because how they approach the gallery aspect um, is very different from um, other galleries or other exhibitions that I usually visit because uh, you can see it's from the point of view of, I would use the word educating probably, like educating the public and kind of like uh, kind of pushing forward um, the idea of how rich the cultural tapestry of the Orang Asli are so it was very interesting for me. Yeah, I think the fact even that it was in um, a mall and a mall that kind of has been calling itself an arts mall. Um, and so you actually see these works displayed alongside contemporary art or pop art um, or photography, um, I think really lends it a, a very different, very um, relevant kind of space rather than putting it away in a, in a museum and, and making it mm. seem like something that's from another time. I really like the fact that it's presented in a very um, accessible space in a very, in a, it, basically not treating it like something to be, um, you know, visited when you kind of feel like you want a little bit of the history, but almost yeah. something that you make a part of your everyday life, a very vibrant approach, I thought. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the um, works themselves, right? Um, and I wanted to start by how we actually uh, enter the space because uh, you essentially walk in and there are these stools that they make out of um, tree uh, tree parts and tree roots and so on. And 
the contrast between the stools that are made out of this organic, well, trees really, um, con- compared with the tops of the stools, which are like plastic or fur mm-hmm. or, you know, things that look like very modern, um, I thought was a great way to just like walk us into what we are going to experience, which is the sort of coming together, but also clash of modernity yes. as well as nature. Correct, correct. Yeah, that's, that's immediately the tone which was set up. And I really appreciate it because... Um, usually when we approach art, there's always been talked about the divide between modern versus uh, traditional arts versus craft. And the good thing is, like, uh, as the world continues to evolve culturally and getting all mixed up, you can see these barriers are coming down. But um, the process in Malaysia, uh, especially among the Orang Asli community, I mean, obviously, we are not the exposed um, I mean, as, as Malaysians, uh, we should be. Uh, and I, I try to read up more on it as well. Um, but to see them kind of bring their stories into a modern setting and not show it like everything's, you know, everything's hunky-dory, everyone's happy, but showing that that, uh, that, that disjuncture between modern and also uh, traditional was very, very refreshing. Yeah. And right in front of those tools, then you have these, um, what I actually think was one of my favorite installations because it brings together the visual, the oral um, in such a great way. So it basically displays resin blocks of seeds, different kinds of seeds, alongside stories from people in the community about um, the place that nature plays uh, for them, uh, the connection they have either with the seeds or with various kinds of agriculture, um, instruments, uh, plants, and I, I don't know, something about it felt very real. And as you said, we should definitely do better collectively in terms of connecting with these stories, in terms of um, highlighting what we take away from communities when we push for development, right? But this sort of insulation, I think, really puts a, a very real face on, on what how much these people's lives are changing because of modernity, because of development. Um, and And... Besides which, I think visually, it was just a great looking installation. It looks so modern and yet doesn't overlook the impact of nature. Correct. Um, I guess like one thing I kind of realized um, within this uh, gallery experience was the idea and the challenge of how important craft really was to the Orang Asli. Um, Usually when we think about craft, we kind of like, uh, think of it as a very utilitarian object like you use something in our daily life and then it's handmade uh, therefore craft but to the Oran Asli um, based on what we just I mean, even the artwork itself uh, use these elements of craft and to kind of like explore what craft means to the people um, an interesting aspect which I, I felt was um, the fact that they derive so much identity from the land they come from and uh, for at the exhibition, the focus on craft kind of like speak of how craft is viewed as kind of central to the identity of uh, the Orang Asli people. For example, I think that there's a few explanations about um, crafts which kind of demonstrate the past of the Orang Asli people. For example, you can see how the bubu is used to catch fish, and then you can see uh, various other utensils to create like um, the mats and such. Yeah, and then at the same time, it kind of like um, speak of knowledge, which um, when we look at how uh, Malaysians in general, we are a very constantly, uh, sometimes um, unquestionably moving forward and progressing. 
And then anything which does not follow that narrative is seen as backward. But uh, I, I would disagree with that because there's a lot of knowledge uh, from traditional spaces which might give an alternative view to how our system is because there's a lot of issues right now, um, ecologically, uh, climate-wise, etc. So all of these questions um, is kind of raised through this, ga this gallery experience, yeah, which I, I really appreciate. Yeah, I, I'm really glad you brought up that that uh, dichotomy we often have between craft and art because that's something I thought about a lot as I was going through this gallery, uh, because on the one hand, you're right that um, oftentimes craft isn't really held up in the same regard as quote unquote art. But the contrast of that or the flip side of that is that if we look at the space that art occupies in today's world, the average person would probably tell you it doesn't serve a purpose. Like it's there to, mm. it's there to be looked at. It's there to put in your house, but it doesn't, it, you don't do anything with it. Whereas when you look at uh, this sort of exhibition, you suddenly realize that there are cultures in the world, there are cultures right here in our country for whom okay. that line between art and craft isn't actually a line at all and that there is a place for art to live within your living space for you to use while also being cultivated as art. And, and I think that these sorts of spaces remind us of that. And it also reminds us that perhaps there's a different way that we can think about what art is uh, and what the future of our own artistic scene could be um, without excluding people, without excluding communities, but rather perhaps including them in the kind of um, artistic identity that we have. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you on all of that, yeah. We're talking about Gallery Garimis, which is a gallery space dedicated to Orang Asli arts and culture. Uh, it's at GMBBKL. And if you'd like more information on it, you can visit garimisart.com. We'll continue our review after this. Keep it here on Everyone's a Critic, BFM 89.9. Brainy, fancy material. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyone's a Critic with Sharmila. And today I'm joined by artist Blank Malaysia. And together we are reviewing Gallery Garimis, which is a uh, which is an art gallery in GMBB Mall in KL, dedicated to Orang Asli arts and culture. So we've been um we've been actually really talking our way through the exhibition. And uh, I wanted to point out that it's actually not a very large exhibition space. Um, and that's something that I want to get back to a little bit later in terms of what more we want to see from it. Um, I wanted to kick off this side of things blank by asking you if you had a favorite of the things that they had displayed. Um, I guess like for me, as you mentioned before, when you just walked into the space, the space itself um, gives you like a lot of visual clues of what kind of like guides you into like this uh, narrative uh, of craft and what Aura Asli life is like. For me, um, there's two, two big aspects which kind of like stand out, which is actually uh, the corner in the end of the gallery. It's actually a book space. And uh, they kind of like present three of the books, which uh, I think recently was also promoted and kind of featured in KL Art Book Fair, right? I think they had a booth there. And it's very interesting because when you see stuff visually, um, especially for us, we don't have um, an anchoring point of where to start off from, right? We can read the stories, but then we want to learn more from it. And these books, uh, I, I spent, I think, about an hour just going through it, and it's free for anyone to go there and just like read. And you can also purchase them online, right? So there's three different books, uh, Chermo, Solace Culture, and The Mad Weave, right? 
Yeah, so uh, the Chamor uh, book is basically a comp compilation of oral storytelling sessions, which is, you know, you always heard about it and current and, and you have a book which kind of like captures the experience. Um, for me personally, I really enjoyed Solastalgia because it's basically an exploration of nine orang Atli villages, two stories, you know, so it goes beyond what Chamor was doing. And uh, it focused on um, how the forest um, land is all forms of identity and the loss of it um, kind of takes away from the orang asli experience so the, the placement like when you move people out of these spaces um, is not as simple as you take people A and put in housing area B because um, the world and the identity is derived from the land itself yeah so the idea of craft um, is really within the book as well so they talk about foods tools that they use the topology the stories and it's all like muddled together and i really like how rich it is without being overwhelming for beginners like me right um and also the journal which is uh, kind of like documenting i think it's the first edition um called the mad weave uh, which is basically uh documenting uh, a series of um meetings with temuan weavers so which which I found out through the book. Uh, the reason why they call it Temuan is quite romantic in the sense where it's, uh, it's describing people where, who meet between the mountains and the sea. So it's Temu, like Bertemu. Mm. Yeah, it's quite, quite, quite nice. And um, they kind of describe inside the book about weaving. It's a central theme of the first edition and while focusing on the word net weaving, which only, I think, one or two person, that Mark, Mark Yao is the only weaver left um, who is able to do it. So these themes, which is kind of like um, they went through through the books, story, land, craft, you can see these themes being brought out and explored visually within the gallery, which I really like. And to answer your question, what's my favorite artwork is um, Symmetry Colorai, I think, um, which is uh, kind of like a weaving installation Thing, but it's also an educational piece because it explains what it is and it's also experimental very interesting I love it oh I love Symmetrical Array as well and I definitely want to get into it but I feel a bit jealous Solastalgia wasn't there when I went because we didn't go at the same time I think so when I went they had Chermor there and I spent a lot of time reading that because it had these like um, little excerpts of oral oral tales that had been passed on and there's illustrations as well which I really loved um, and Mad Weave was there but I feel like I now have to go to their website and see if I can get myself a copy of the Solastalgia um, getting back to Symmetrical I thought it was such a clever installation because essentially mm. they take the traditional uh, weaving practice of the Orang Asli, um, which they do with Mengkuang or, or Pandanus, right? Um, and then they basically basically visualize and literalize what happens when Mengkuang is increasingly rare um, and increasingly not available, especially because different communities actually use their native plants to do their weaving. And so then they use PVC instead to, to weave. Um, and there's just this little line in the explanation that says, but they talk about how it's more difficult to weave with PVC and, and you know, it hurts their hands and it doesn't sit the same way. And the pieces that they display and, and sort of 
it circles the space that you're in um, is essentially all mats that are a combination of PV, PVC and mengkuang. And even visually, you can see the difference. You can you can see the difference. You can um, feel the difference. And mm-hmm. I thought it was a very powerful statement of how just on a very, very basic, essential level, um, this entire art form is then changed because of nature not being the same anymore. Correct. Right. Yeah, the abundance of nature is definitely something which I noticed uh, this question, right? How we use resources and what resources meant to the Orang Asli communities. So um, there's a lot of talk about balance and how they, they see themselves as custodians of the land. So there's always this idea of balance when whenever they use something, it must be of a purpose and it is it speaks to their culture as well. So um, like you mentioned, um, another aspect which I quite enjoy is the use of tools. So within Symmetry Colorai as well, they explain the tools that were used and each tool is so specifically used for um, a certain aspect of the weaving um, experience. For example, the parang you use to cut down the mengkuang leaves, the jangka which is used to cut it into eco strikes, the pelurut which is to smoothen um, the rough edges, and then you have the penisit which kind of marks the ending of the craft. Um, but you know you have all these tools, and as you mentioned, when you introduce a foreign new material like the PVC, it kind of like renders these tools like pointless, isn't it? Right. So it can be used on this new material, and in some ways, it's kind of speaking on the modernity aspect as once more, like how um, they are forced to try to protect. Um, uh, their crafts, their experiences, their culture in face of modernity. But at the same time, they have to kind of find back a new way of adapting and surviving this new harsh reality right? that they find themselves in. We just have a couple of minutes left, actually. I wanted to close off by really talking about one thing I came away with very strongly, which is that I really dearly wish for more of this. Um, it, it's such a small space. Um, and, and of course, I mean, you know, funding, whatever, all of these are factors. But I kept thinking how amazing it would be if we had, say, the equivalent of um, the Asian Civilizations Museum in Singapore um, or even the uh, African-American Museum in the US, if, if we could have an entire art space uh, dedicated to Orang Asli arts and culture, um, I would love to see so much more of this. I agree. I, I think there's definitely a lot of opportunities for people to like pursue it. And I, I feel like the remiss is like the first step to kind of like opening like more doors for the artists as well as um, anyone else interested to get involved in projects such as this. Yeah, um, an interesting fact that I learned was the fact that they actually like reach out for community uh, projects as well. I think there's a studio called the Studio Seni Orang Asli which uh, they try to get more artists uh, from the Orang Asli community to get involved in. And then there's also, of course, educational um, programs and it's available on Zoom occasionally, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I wish that I was able to catch it at that time. But now that I know, I will definitely put it in my calendar. Blank, thanks for reviewing this with me. It was fun, as usual. I was... Uh... 
we've uh, that was Blank Malaysia, and we've been talking about Gallery Gurimis, which is a uh, which is an art gallery dedicated to Orang Asli Arts and Culture at GMBBKL. Uh, if you'd like more information, you can visit gurimisart.com. Uh, let us know. Have you visited? Do you plan to? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.